What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Oh, holy crap. Okay. Holy crap. I didn't know if the volume was on the mic, and so I started to turn it up right about the time he actually made that go live, and my headphones work really well. (laughs) I blew myself out of there. Oh, man. Yeah. It's not as early as it feels like it is today, but it feels like it's early. You want me to start calling you when I get up on Saturday? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) It was 1.10 this morning. Nobody in their right mind should be up that damn early. (laughs) But that explains a lot. Nobody in their right mind. Pretty much. That's why I drink this coffee over here. Here, I mean, I'll have to have some more. I'll be yawning the whole time we're doing the show, but then... I get in the truck, I'm rolling wide awake, rolling again. It's all right. Yawn all you want. Just uh, use your little mute button over there so you can oh, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> take it out. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> all right. Well, um, we do have a talking point that we're going to get to here in just a little bit that uh, we want your guys' advice on. So we're going to be asking you questions here in a moment. So just uh, as a random side note, which is irrelevant to everybody unless you live here specifically, this is, um, we're recording this on Saturday, which is the first weekend of ACL, which is the Austin City Limits Music Festival here in town. And uh, it is insane for two weeks. Oh, yes. Two weeks in the fall and yeah. two weeks in the spring. We have South by Southwest, which is an insane um, event. And then we have ACL, which is also an insane event. And Everybody that is native to Austin or lives in Austin um, basically gets the hell out of town. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else from everywhere come into town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they all go to these concerts and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. So, um, But we did have a gentleman, actually, that was here, not for the concerts. He was actually here for a wedding. And he started uh, sending me messages. Um, and so... We were just chatting back and forth about things, and uh, you know, I, I reached out and told you um, that the the guy was here, and we actually, you know, put out the opportunity that if he wanted to, he could come into right. the show right. and sit down and, and have a little chit chat with us. So, just you know, as an FYI for you guys, if you are ever in Austin, if you're in here, if you're visiting for some reason. Usually on a Saturday or a Sunday, we are in the studios in the morning. It's usually a little bit earlier, but uh, if you have the time and you want to be part of the show and you want to come in and say hi and uh, and do a segment with us, we are more than happy to do that. And you can come in and see the studio and meet both of us. You just want to uh, make sure you give us a heads up and uh, you know reach out and see what's going on schedule-wise just in case we are... So far in advance that we maybe are not in the studio that weekend, but yeah, always, always, always an opportunity, something, something new and fun to do, and then you can come be part of the hive jive with us, and we'll have fun with it. But uh, since how this one, <laughs> so this is this is your official shout out here, Barrett. Barrett was actually in town, and Barrett wants Ken to pronounce this. I should actually show you this and let you read what the bottom part of it. But he says that Ken can probably pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Albany. Yeah, but that's not how he says it. Oh, no, 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 do it again. Say it again. Albany. Albany, yeah. And he, he actually put it phonetically for me. It's pronounced all 
Benny. Albany. <laughs> Albany. Albany. Albany, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this Albany, New York. Mm-hmm. And this is Albany, Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. 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 Southern Georgia peaches. Mm-hmm. Barrett actually was going to tell us a story. So I will go through and, and on your behalf, sir, since how you were unable to actually make it in, we'll go through and we'll give you the shout out and we'll tell the little story here. He says, um, I had a very good story to tell. I'm in my second year and I requeened a hive two weeks ago and it had a spotty brood pattern. When I went back in to see if the new queen was laying, she was tearing it up. I decided to mark her and I accidentally killed her. No, I no. squeezed her abdomen and she was dead as a doornail. It oh, just hell. ripped my heart out. So, of course, I called him a murderer. Queen <laughs> murderer. I was like, you murderer. Um, yeah, he was like, man, she was laying right before my eyes. It was the first time that I'd ever actually gotten to see eggs. I was so proud. And then I squished her. So if you guys remember, give me a shout out on the show. So there you go, Barrett. There's your shout out. Uh, We're sorry we did not actually get to see you while you were here in town, but we definitely appreciate you reaching out and seeing what was going on. And uh, lessons learned. We all do things like that. Um, That is one of the, like, if you go through and you mark your queen, there's a lot of challenges that can come with that. One of which being you could squish her. Um, You could also drop her. You could lose her. You could damage or injure her. She could fly away. Once you do get her and you successfully get her, you know, held or put into the little queen marking cage where it holds her firm and you go through and you mark her, I've had people accidentally get the paint on her eyes. They've killed her with the paint or the paint was still fresh and had so many fumes to it that they immediately (laughs) took her and put her back in a colony and then her colony rejected her her and killed her because she didn't smell right because there were too many fumes. So marking your queens can be a very treacherous adventure um, to undertake. And I don't personally do it for for all of those reasons. You can see them things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're good at at spotting them, it is easier. The other, the the one main upside to, well, two upsides to marking them is one, you can spot them a little bit better if you have a problem. It's easier to look for that neon dot. The second thing is, if you're using the color code, then you know what season or what year that queen came from. And okay. so, you know, that's that's not a bad thing. That's but not bad. when you buy a queen and you have her sent in and she comes in already marked, that is a completely different scenario because those people, they're, they're doing it all the time. So they've kind of got the finesse of it down. And you don't actually want to use the pen itself to mark the queen. The best practice for that is you get the queen, you put her into the marking cage, you get her secured, you take the marking pen and you actually put a dot on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and then you take something smaller mm-hmm. and you use it to get just a dab of that paint on it. And then you put just that dab on her thorax because the pen, the tip of the pen is actually really big. It's the size of her thorax overall, and you want something a little bit smaller that's not going to gush paint. So you can do a much better controlled mark by putting the paint over on the side, taking this other thing, dipping in it, and then using that to put the dot on the queen. You know how the dot's going to get on my queen? Buying it from somebody else because no, I'm not doing it for you. No, you put the damn thing <laughs> yeah, on there. That's what I say right <laughs> off the bat. I'm not doing it for you, so that's not how it's going to happen. <laughs> it's not from that. All right. Uh, that's it. That's it for all of the little things that we have on there. Thanks for joining, guys. Bye. No. (laughs) (laughs) I got a new bunch of bees. What? More bees. Why are they swarming this time of year? Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. You guys did go out and you caught a swarm out at Wake Point. Yeah. And it was out there uh, by the filling pumps up on one of the canopies. Well, it's where they park. It's on the canopy, yes. But it, yeah, it's close to the pumps. But, uh, me and Max went up there and. Kind of what you do, you and Max did. You you knocked the bees off and 
Part of them fell on Max. Well, Max did knock Dr. B's off. Part of them <laughs> fell on me. But let me ask you this, and I want to know if any of our listeners have seen this. As we got up to this swarm, it's huge, oh, yeah. probably four to five pounds of bees. There's a bunch of bees. All of a sudden, they started farming a funnel in the middle of the high, of the bunch and just started forming this funnel where it's bigger at the top and funneled in. And I, Max says, that's where I'm going to start spraying. And that's what he did. He started spraying. The first bunch we knocked off had this queen in there. I told Max, I said, that's where the queen is, and the reason they're opening up like that is they're fanning towards her to cool her off because she was in the bottom. What do you think? I don't necessarily know about the opening up to cool her off. I also think you asked me that question when I had a mouthful of food. <laughs> I really expected your story to take longer. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it, it, it did. It, it That's the dangest thing i ever seen was, was dra- you know, dragging ladders over. All of a sudden, it just started forming this funnel. And, and ran into the swarm, and I'm sitting there, wow. I had never seen nothing like that. Well, I ain't been into doing this very long. But And then I'd ask you, did you ever see anything like that, forming a funnel? Not, not Well, I mean, I wasn't there to actually see it. No, no. So if I've seen it with my own eyes, I might be able to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. But the way that my brain wants to imagine how you're describing it, it that just, led it me— It formed. Yeah, that, that led me to tell you no, <laughs> I hadn't seen that. But— what uh, what I think actually occurred, well, no, 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 scratch that. Not what I think occurred. Mm-hmm. The bees themselves, when they're in a cluster, mm-hmm. they, they're they not worried about the queen herself. They are protecting the queen, yes. But not everything in there is about, oh, the queen might be too warm. We need to do this. Instead, what they end up doing, are you talking about that little hole of light there in that picture? Talking about that? Do you see how... Yeah, that might be that right there that makes an opening. That might have been part of it. Yeah, maybe that's where it was starting to open up. Okay, so what what actually could have occurred here? The cluster itself, they 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 look at everything overall, right? The whole cluster, mm-hmm. if it's getting too hot or if it's getting too cold. If it's getting cold, the cluster condenses down on itself and becomes more compact. And they were to when store we first the heat in there. there. When they get too hot, they expand. But they, they're literally just creating more space between their bodies so mm-hmm. that it looks like it's a much larger group than it is because they're not so tightly knit together. Mm-hmm. And that, that way they can move airflow through there. So what then occurs when you, when you have something like that where it opens up, one of two things could have occurred. The queen could have been on the outside and could have barreled and started digging inward, mm-hmm. which as she does that, she's going to be pushing bees out of her way. That would then create what looks like an opening. And it's the same mm-hmm. concept as whenever you look at a frame of bees and the queen goes, if it's got a lot of bees and she goes real quickly across it, it's almost like a zipper unzipping or mm-hmm. like the wake of a boat. How all of a sudden the bees start parting because the queen's shoving them out of the way. Could have been that. It could have been that as you guys got up there and you got closer to the cluster, the cluster was trying to move away from you. So it was separating where you were getting closer. Um, There's lots of different things there for that. But just like if the queen was in the center, the way the bees mentality is, they're not going to go, oh, our queen, just this one bee is getting warm. So we need to open a direct funnel to her. No. Um, But now that funnel could have went to her because, again, she may have barreled through there and she was at the tip of it. That bunch must have just left the hive, or yeah, I got it right. The hive because <laughs> you didn't get it right <laughs> uh, because they still had pollen on their legs, 
And of course, every now and then you have to you'll step on one on there all over the floor, and they were full of honey. The honey, their honey gut was full. And John so what you're telling again. me is you murdered a bunch of bees. Well, you had to because it was all over the ground. And so then you, know. you created some hypothesis based on the goo on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was honey gut. It was honey. I'm going to tell you, you the same thing we told the other listener there, you murderer. Okay. Murdered bees. <laughs> but now, but now they're in a five-frame nuke, and you will see them next Saturday. And I think we're going to probably wind up because... You were just saying when you pull a frame out and they're covered in bees, these are covered in bees and uh, and like too deep. I good. mean, they are, they'll winter damn good, but I don't know. Maybe there's enough for an eight frame, but mm. we'll I don't see. Know. We'll see. We'll see because it, this is not the time of year to be getting willy nilly on space and, yeah. and adding extra stuff. This is the time of year where you want to be reducing and consolidating, you want to be getting them. In as as tight of a compact space as they can comfortably they handle, without having too much room to have to over you know heat all that over winter. So they're not having a beard. They're not you know to, as a, to cool off. Yeah, uh, I went over there yesterday and checked on them, and there was about two dozen of them outside the entrance, and they were all pointed out. Mm-hmm. And I got to watching them how they was fanning into the hive. Yeah, helping cool it off. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, we mentioned just a little bit earlier that we had a question for you guys. And I'm going to preface this with, as you get started in beekeeping, Mm -hmm. no matter what it is, you end up, as people find out that you're in beekeeping and you're doing something with bees, slowly but surely, the floodgates start to open. And anybody and everybody who sees anything bee-related starts to send it to you or call you or send people in your direction. Mm -hmm. It could be... You know, it'll start off with the, oh, check out this cool thing I saw online. Then you're going to start getting gifts that are bee-related gifts. And then you're going to start getting the calls or the emails or the questions. Hey, my neighbor has some bees on their porch, and I told him I know a beekeeper. Will you go get them? First lesson here is there is no such thing as free bees, period, the end. Your time is way more valuable, and those quote-unquote free bees are going to cost you a minimum of 150 bucks because you got to put them in something. That either means the raw materials for you to build a hive or you go and buy a complete hive setup. Something has to go into that. And that's not even counting the amount of time that it might take you to get them, the time it took you to drive there, the gas and all that other stuff. So very, very first off, right off the bat, do not shortchange yourself. Do not give your time away for free. You are not the recipient of a gift. And that's how a lot of the people look at it. Oh, but these bees are valuable and and we need them. And I'm doing you a favor because I'm allowing you to come get these bees. No, that's not how that works. They can pay you. At the very minimum, they can compensate you for your drive time and your mileage. At the minimum. If you're doing swarm captures, even us down here, if we're doing swarm captures, what we do is we will ask for a donation to cover our mileage and fuel. Because, I mean, it it might take us 10 minutes Mm. to scoop that swarm into a box. So, no, we're not asking for a drastic amount. But we may have driven 30 minutes to get there. Yeah. You know, so so do ask for that and do not be shy to ask for that. Value yourself. Value your time. Value what you're doing. That will start good habits for yourself. Now, the next thing is all kinds of things come up and people are always going to start telling you, well, I've got this going on and everything else. And if you do say, well, I don't really feel like I can do that or, you know, well, it would cost. 
they will try to lay a guilt trip on you. Well, if I can't find somebody to come rescue these bees, then I'm going to just be forced to kill them. Mm-hmm. Well, you can explain to them how, you know, that's on them and they're doing a detriment to the environment and, and nature and everything around them. Um, but these types of things come up. So the whole point of that, the whole lead into all of that is Ken has run into this situation. Mm-hmm. He was talking to me about it on the phone yesterday morning or day before, one or the other. Something like and, that. Um, Last two or three days. Yeah. So so I'll let Ken go through and kind of tell you what the situation is and, and how it happened. And then we're going to go through and, and just discuss kind of um, the pros and the cons of it. And I, I will warn you all in advance, um, from a bee's perspective, this is quite gruesome. Yeah, it is. Um, this is so, so don't be shocked. Uh, I mean, you know, try, brace yourself, sit down, because this is going to be a bit gruesome. But anyhow, so Ken got a phone call. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, called me up. He says, hey, Ken, I saw you, you know, I launched out by your place the other day, and yeah, okay. I saw all your bee supplies. I says, oh, yeah, all my boxes. Hey, I got a lots of them. He says, yeah, well, let me tell you what I've got. He is, his, him and his kids are his kids' race show stock, and they feed a lot of sweet uh, feed. Specifically what? Pigs. There you go. Okay. And they're feeding a lot of pigs, and uh, this time of year, they're getting them ready for a show. They get so they're slicking them up, fattening them up, and they're feeding a lot of sweet protein feed. Which is going to be? Well, sweet and protein, so it's going to be exactly what a bee needs in the dirt. Yeah. It's got sweet, it's got protein. Yeah, but is it is it like the pellets? Maybe, but... So here's here's the only reason I ask, and then we'll we'll move well, on with the story. Uh, so yeah. um, <clears throat> most animal feeds, it doesn't matter if it's chicken feed or if it's goat feed mm-hmm. or if it's pig feed, even horse feed. If it's in the pellet form, or even if it's like um, like for chickens, you can get the mixed grains. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff will have a powder and a dust to it, and mm-hmm. that powder and dust is very very similar to the concept of artificial pollen substitute, the dry pollen substitute. Yeah, I can see that. The bees will seek that out. Now, in the situation that Ken's referring to, the sweet just adds to that. Yes. There is a pal- there's there's going to be a powdery <laughs> – I swear that coffee gives me hiccups every day. <laughs> there is a powdery substance that is going to contain high protein content in it yes. that's going to be left in these feeding troughs. And now it's and also, also sweet. sweet. So <laughs> it's a double whammy. Okay, so continue on. The trough, they said, will get so thick full of bees that uh, – but they're, he said, they're not stinging us. I says, no, they're in there just looking for something to eat. They ain't going to be protecting anything. He says, well, they get so thick that uh, the pigs have a hard time getting up there, and then they bite them, and they sting them when they bite them. I said, yeah, I can see that. And, and he they're, says, they're show pigs, so yeah, they don't want welts and stings. These are yeah. not cheap pigs. Yeah, they, they want them to look yeah. immaculate and beautiful, yeah. and they can't be having them getting stung. Yeah, they can't have a swollen up mouth. And But anyway, they... Get a pear burner, and if y'all don't know so what a pear burner freaking is. Freaking flamethrower torch. That's a flamethrower. And they go in there and burn them. And he says, they, uh, he, I says, well, burn them? Yeah. I says, are you burning just a few? Oh, no. This trough is full. I says, like a five-gallon bucket? Yeah, close to a five-gallon bucket full. I'm sitting there, damn, that's a lot of bees. But anyway... I got to thinking. He says, well, can you come get these bees? I says, no, because they're forager bees. They're not. I says, is it a swarm? No. I says, no, you ain't going to get those bees because they're they're coming from hive somewhere. And then I got to thinking. 
And this was after I hung up with him. With the, I said, now, they, that hive will be within a three-mile three radius of your place. At the maximum, yeah. Now I got to thinking, there's a guy across the highway that probably has somewhere between 15 and 30, maybe even 40 hives. Now, he doesn't. His are feral bees, <laughs> and uh, his... He doesn't requeen. So, but anyway, so his bees are a little meaner. They're <laughs> redheaded mutts. The, with... the only reason I laugh, just so you guys can catch the little inside joke here, is because you you can't visually see us. But Ken hesitated for just a second, then he gave me the goofiest grin when he said feral bees, <laughs> because every time we've had this conversation, he kept saying native native bees, bees and there are no such thing as native honeybees in the United States but they whatsoever. Could been, they could have been mason bees. Well, no, <laughs> but but so that's why when he he paused and he got it correct and he said the correct terminology, they're feral bees. They are you know not. The, what he what he's meaning is basically that that gentleman that has those hives does not requeen. No. He does not do a great job of management. Man, he's mean. not keeping any stock in there that is a known genetic lineage. No. So we're going to call them feral or redheaded mutts because we're here in Texas. Yeah, they're, so they're, they're going to be a mix bees. of genetics. And yeah. So anyhow, <laughs> the guys I've talked to that's helped him says, Ken. Those meanest damn bees. Okay, so here's the here's the thing. And, he's burning and, the hell out of. Yeah, that's the horror. That's the 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 craziest. Just three times gut last wrenching. Year. God, um, and he does say too that it only happens. And this time, a of year. couple of times a year, and it's going to be coming out of winter, right before any pollen mm -hmm. starts naturally occurring mm -hmm. in the beginning of spring, and during the summer dearth. Well, Those know. are the two times of year there's no flowers for the bees, mm -hmm. and so the bees will flock to these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So, down on the organic farm, where I keep the majority of my honey-producing hives, um, there's also an organic chicken farm nearby, and those organic chickens have feed. And they will tell me um, certain times of the year, mainly, again, during the summer dearth and kind of the August time period, and usually like February, March, before really the flowers get going, they will have a ton of bees rolling and frolicking in the dust and the powder mm -hmm. from the chicken feed. And they are aware of what's going on, and we've talked about it, and they watch it, and they think it's cool, but the chickens, the feed is separate from the chickens, so the chickens aren't in there trying to eat, and the bees are in there with them. The bees are over in the storage shed where the feed is kept, and if that was the case, then that's a different scenario, but what this gentleman's having the problem with is the feed is literally in the trough. Yeah, they're in the trough. And there's so many bees in the trough yeah. that it's covering the trough, and when the Pigs try pigs. to eat it, it stings them. So yep. they're literally taking a flamethrower and they and are incinerating yep. all of the bees in the trough. Probably thousands. Oh, well, more than that, no, I, because 3,000 bees can fit in the old school one gallon Folgers coffee can. Actually, it's not even they're, a gallon, it's like a half gallon. Them. So that is a ton of bees yeah. that they're burning. If there's enough to fill a five gallon bucket, mm -hmm multiple thousands of bees yeah. that are dying. Yeah. And that, when he told me that, I was mortified, and then I was appalled, and then I was a little mad. And But, but he had some different things. So the first thought was you could what? What was the first thing you said, can I go do? I asked him if I can bring swarm traps yeah. out. That no? Was, no, the very first thing you wanted to do was go suck them up. Yeah, I wanted to go see if I could suck them up and then take them and put them in. You know, we got that one hive. It's uh, 
one colony that is a little weak, it's honeybound. Okay, so first situation, and, and this is where I want you guys to weigh in. You've heard the scenario. Now we're going to give you three different options here that could potentially be done. And, and I'm just curious what your guys' take on the scenario and situation would be, because I changed my answer about three different times, and then I told him to stay the hell out of it. That's what I'm doing, too. <laughs> but so number one. If he were to go and get some sort of containment unit, like what we use for when we do removals, mm -hmm. and he was to go out there, he could hook it up, plug it in, get it going, and mm -hmm. literally, instead of taking a flamethrower and going across the top of this, just... he could go through with the, the containment unit and he can suck all of the bees up off of there. So he's mm -hmm. gathering all of these foragers into this containment unit, and then he could take them back and save the foragers. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at a colony of bees... You have to look at it from a biology perspective and relate it to a larger organism or the body of an animal. When you do that, the queen is the heart and the reproductive system. Mm -hmm. The rest of those bees, all of those workers, they make up all of the different organs in mm -hmm. the body and they're the blood and the cells of the body. Mm -hmm. So when he goes through and he's taking all of those foragers away, he is literally cutting off their blood supply which also cuts off their food supply. Now, granted, here's the, the point where this is, this is a moot point right here. Because if Ken sucks them up, the foragers are still going to be gone. If Ken does not suck them up, the farmer is going to roast them, and they're still going to be gone. So the end result is, no matter what, the colony it's lost so, those suffering. bees. Yeah. They're going to suffer. Yeah. And what I was kind of curious about whenever he told me that there was this other farmer out there that had bees, um, I was like, you know, I would like to be a fly on the wall and see if he has a really hard time every dearth with his bee populations drastically dropping and his colonies getting weak and he can't figure out why. Because if he doesn't know this is going on, he's out there and he's trying to do everything that he can to get the bees to grow and be strong, but for, for some unknown reason... He just can't get population. It just keeps decreasing and decreasing and decreasing because what's happening is all those foragers leave and they never come back. For whatever reason, they never return. So even if this was a feral colony somewhere out there, my very first thing was, no, you can't do that because you're going to end up killing mm -hmm. the parent colony that these bees are coming from because you have robbed them from their work source, which is cutting off their food supply. Mm -hmm. So that was my first reaction. But then again, you look at the other side of it those bees are going to die because this guy is going to flamethrow roast them. So if he did take them, he could do exactly what he said. He could take those bees, he could bring them back, and he could do kind of like the newspaper combined mm -hmm. we talked about during the, the combining and consolidating mm -hmm. episode. You could do a newspaper combined where you've got these extra bees, you're going to put the newspaper over the top of the existing colony, you're going to put an empty box over that, you're going to dump all these bees into that box and then put an inner cover yeah, or just a lid fine. on it, and then let them go down and slowly get into that colony. Now, yes, there, there could be some fighting, mm -hmm. there could be some other issues going on, but if it's a weak colony, if it's just a weak colony and it desperately needs foragers and bees, then you are saving your colony, Right. but you're not helping those other colonies. Nope. So that was the first th scenario. The second scenario is, is the, well, the next two scenarios are not, they're, they're kind of like a lose-lose situation. You could try to educate the pig farmer on trying to come up with better ways to coexist with the bees and the pigs and the mm -hmm. feed and figure out a way to make this work, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there's ways you could. Well, there's ways you could, why, but why do the them. But why do the pigs need to eat, say, say, why feed them first thing in the morning 
Well, hell, I don't know. No, think think about it though. <laughs> don't, don't don't do literally think about it. If the pigs say you feed the pigs once a day, mm-hmm. when does a feral pig eat? It's not in the it's morning. At night. It's at night. Yeah. So why can't you go out there at eight o'clock? And feed your pigs at eight o'clock at night instead of eight o'clock in the morning. Then the pigs sleeping. Well, well, and there's no, maybe not. Yeah. So, but just listen though. If you were to do that, the positive is the bees are not going to be out there. They're not going to come and and forage on that food because they're in bed. Hmm? The pigs can then eat their food, Hmm? depending on how long it takes them to eat. Hmm? Um, Then it's all gone by the time morning comes. Now the downside is yes. Now your pigs are out of the pens. At night, and there's predators out there, so that could be a problem. But if you're feeding them in a more contained area, it could be a solution. That's my whole point, is it could be a solution. Sometimes we get so stuck in our rut of, well, I've got to do it at this time because that's just what time we do it. But if there's no logic to that other than your own, if there's no nature-based or scientific-based reasoning why it has to be 7 a.m. instead of 7 p.m. or whatever, you could switch something like that. You could change it around a little bit. And then... Oh, gotcha. No, 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 no. There's an or. Go for it. Or the beekeeper That's, puts a pollen feeder out and starts feeding instead of making those bees travel three miles. Yeah, so here's the here here that's where the other side of this comes yeah. into. And I told you both of these are a lose-lose. So the other option is Ken goes to the beekeeper and starts trying to educate the beekeeper to help him with his colonies. No, you ain't, I, I know the guy, so no. Yeah, and and we've already found out yeah. that apparently he's a very hard-headed individual who's also stuck in his Old ways. Old and cantankerous. Yeah, stuck in his ways. So we have this, this lose-lose situation. Mm-hmm. Even if you were to go out there and you were to say he was friendly and he was amicable to the whole idea and he was like, yeah, you know, um, my bees have been having problems and I've noticed that the, the colonies get weaker this time of year and I don't know why— if Ken tells him why, now you've got another problem They're because kill the pigs. Now you've got a rivalry between <laughs> these two farmers over whose livestock is yeah. more important. That's a whole huge issue. That that's when I told Ken, I was like, you need to just stay out of it, <laughs> just step yeah, out p- of it, leave it the hell alone. Pigs don't fly yet. Nope, the pigs can't fly. Nope. Um, but the other thing is, like you said, what if he put out a pollen feeder and he started feeding pollen nearby? Mm-hmm. It, they, would, they would stay in closer. It could work. It very well could work because then they've got a pollen source there that they could rely on. But he would have to start that process, both pollen and sugar syrup Mm -hmm. probably, to compensate for what they're finding elsewhere way before they ever got desperate enough to go find the other food source. Because if you do it right now, Mm -hmm. they're already keyed in on there's a great food source out here. They're going to keep going to it. Well, yeah. It's it's the same with like when you say you need to set up a water source for the bees. Once they find a reliable, consistent food source or water source, they train each other to go there. If you come in after the fact because you didn't do your prep work ahead of time and you give them a water source right next door, they don't care. They're going to keep going to the one that they know is consistent. That other one just showed up. It may be gone tomorrow. They don't know. That's how they look at stuff. So it could work. You could put that pollen feeder out there and you could put the sugar syrup out there. Now, next year, if you started ahead of time, absolutely, it would make a big difference Mm -hmm. and his colonies would be healthier for it. But it's just this like, do you try to help the pig farmer? Do you try to educate the other farmer, the beekeeper? 
Do you take the bees for yourself, knowing that you're potentially killing somebody else's colony, but also knowing that those bees were going to die anyway, or do you just stay the hell out of it and leave it alone? I'll stay the hell out of it. Those those are the the ethical and moral dilemmas sometimes that you can run into doing beekeeping, and you may just have one hive in your backyard, but to your friends and neighbors, you are suddenly the end-all, be-all bee expert, mm-hmm. and they're going to, to start just flocking to you. I'm going to um, talk to the beekeeper. And say, hey, I hear you got some weak hives. You want me to take some of them off your hand cheap? Because I got a guy that'll take care of it. Oh, shit. I won't tell him that part. <laughs> yeah, we'll go requeen them and we'll have, yeah, oh. I'll quit. So. Johnson, <laughs> <laughs> oh, more bees. More be- <laughs> like I don't have enough to deal with. Um, I got 10 hives now. Yeah. I started out with two, four. Four. Yeah, you started off with four. You're ending the year in 10. Yeah. Yeah. That's how my life started, Ken. I wanted one, and then I was going to have two, and I ended that year with 13, and then the next year I had 25. Oh, I've ordered six packages. Yeah, you've, ordered, you've ordered the packages, yep. And I've got, and I ordered two, those were Corniolans, and I ordered two Russians. Now, I, I am going to say, just because of the way that things work timing-wise, you're going to hear this episode uh, today, on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this week or next week, you're going to hear a bonus episode from <laughs> this random tangent that we went on that lasted <laughs> for literally over an hour. Um, but we went through and we chopped that up into multiple bonus episodes. So that's why if you guys saw the Instagram and the Facebook post here recently that said the Hive Jive bonus episodes, um, you know, thanks to Ken's random tangents and uh, all the bizarre topics we got off on. We have enough bonus material that for the entire month of October, you are going to get a bonus episode every single week. That is a fluke, and that is literally because there happened to be a day that I didn't have an appointment scheduled immediately after the show, and we were talking about everything under the sun. It was insane, and then... That show lasted, like, we were in the studio for over two hours, and normally we're in the studio for about 45 minutes to an hour. So we broke those up into different subject topics and stuff, but the the main point of me saying that is you're going to hear him say, today, I've got 10 hives. And in a couple of days, you're going to hear him say, I got eight hives. (laughs) And that's just because of the timing of how that worked, Mm -hmm. but... uh, um, yeah, we hope that you guys appreciate the the bonus episodes out there. Um, sometimes it just works out to to your advantage, and uh, you know I will go through and when I do the cuts and the edits, there's sometimes there'll be a little five minute chunk of something, and I'll take it and set it aside because it just doesn't fit with what we're talking about for that episode. But it could be relevant, or it could be good information, or it could just be funny. Sometimes they're just goofy. Um, we've got a clip in there uh, with Michaela whenever she came in and did mm-hmm. the interview. And it was right at the beginning of the episode. She was having a hard time, well, a little bit shy and didn't want to get as close to the mic. But then she wasn't picking up as well. So we were we were goofing around with her and we were telling her, like, get up on the mic, get really close to it. And it turned into this whole AM, FM conversation and just goofiness. And she's basically laughing at Ken and I being goofballs in here. Um, and I took it because it was funny. So I kept it, but it wasn't relevant to that episode. So we put that into the random clips bonus episode that you guys will get here eventually. Um, but yeah, we just, we just hope you guys enjoy that. And, you know, as you heard at the beginning of the episode, if you guys do have your questions, obviously we respond to them. I will respond to them via email. I'll respond to them via instant message on Facebook or Instagram. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the hive jive. You can find us via email by sending your emails to info at the hive jive.com. 
And we'll always go through, we'll answer them on the show eventually if we can, um, but we'll always also turn around and try to give you a timely response via the the online method. And that's kind of the whole point of the show is to to educate you guys or infotain, as, as Ken likes to say. Mm-hmm. We're here to provide entertainment and also provide education and help you guys through the seasons. And we love hearing whenever that was successful and, you know, that we were able to, to provide you guys with some insight. And as many, many listeners have said, you may be out there on your own. And we don't want you to feel like you're by yourself. We want you to be part of the family and part of the community and and help give that outreach to anybody who needs it so that if you are off by yourself and you're the only beekeeper in your area and there's no beekeeping associations, you can always tune into the show, listen to us, send us your questions, and we are more than happy to go through and help you guys. And we definitely appreciate all of your support. But the only thing I want to ask is tell John where I can buy package bees up north. And maybe in New in New York, because I want to start raising Yankee bees, <laughs> and then middle middle west Midwest bees, and will we raise California bees? I mean, we could. No, it'd be Northern California because they've killed every damn thing down Southern California. Well. All right, so and this is a conversation that I, I don't even remember if we talked about this on the show, but you and I have talked about it off the mm-hmm. air multiple times. So as Ken has gone through and he has done his research on everything. Now, also, I would like to point out, this is where the dang bonus episodes come from, because that was supposed to be the wrap up of the show. And I'm looking at Ken, looking at him to add in his two cents. And, and I knew it as soon as I paused. I knew we're getting ready to go into left field. And here we go off into left field. Um, but. Ken has found out that when he went through and he did a lot of the research on buying packages, 75 to 80% of all of the packages that he found originate in Georgia. Mm -hmm. They may then be shipped and or wholesaled, I don't think that's a word, um, via other places that look like it's coming from Michigan or look like it's coming from Florida Mm -hmm. or look like it's coming from wherever, and that's not the case. Mm -mm. The other thing that I've pointed out to Ken is that when it comes right down to it, um, you end up having... Your queen controls your genetics. Oh, yeah, I know. So instead of from from and again, we're we're still going to probably do this just so you can have fun with it and have your names and everything. But mm-hmm. from a, a genetic perspective of the bees, I'm trying to come up with a big mama queen. Well, we can do that. They already exist. No, not a big mom. Well, I mean, no, the big mama you renamed. Yeah. It's a big island queen, and you call yeah. her a Bahama mama. Bahama mama queen. Right. So I can get you a big so we, island, we, and you no, can call gotta, her a Bahama mama. We've got to take a bunch of queens from the different parts of the U.S., and then we're going to have to change the genetics, and then we're going to have come out with one queen out of all of these <laughs> genetics, and that's going to be a Bahama mama queen. You know, sometimes— uh, And then you'll have a Bahama mama queen to sell. Oh, Lord. Sometimes you do that. And you come up with something like the buckfast bees that the monks raised, and that's not a bad thing. Uh-huh. And other times you do that, and you come up with these things called Africanized bees, and they're the devil. So we ain't gonna put no African bees in them. Well, but see, whenever they created, because we created the Africanized bees, no, the Africanized they were, they, they, they bees were created by Germans in no. They weren't Germans. In South America. They were in Brazil, and it was scientists. I don't know why you're blaming the Germans. No, it was uh, was called (laughs) Germans were down there. (laughs) No. Uh, The whole point was the betterment of beekeeping. Yes. They were trying to, because Africanized bees are a better honey maker. But they were looking for a specific lineage of an African bee. Mm -hmm. And there's like three or four lineages of African bees in Africa. And they thought, no, not necessarily. They thought this one bee, they thought they had a specific lineage of bee, and they were wrong. 
they had a like, different lineage. Oh, okay. And they grabbed that bee, and they brought it over, and they started doing, like you said, let's change the genetics. Yeah. Let's interbreed and crossbreed and create this new thing. Well, that strain of bee ended up causing all of this other chaos, mm -hmm. and it was because, as most things in history teach us and we don't learn from, we are our own worst enemy when it comes to we think we're doing something for the good, oh, yeah. and we make it worse. Yeah. So, anyhow. What the hell was I going to tell you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where you took off on that tangent. Okay. Um, I've got I've got Jorge messaging me going, hey, are we still working today? Are we on for 10 o'clock? Tell him you're talking to me. <laughs> I was like, yes. Um, I'll be out of here shortly. Okay, so. John, John's busy working on his phone. Jorge's talking to him. No. No? No, I got lost in, uh, in Instagram. Oh, and I, I saw a comment, but when I pulled it up on here, it's not actually there. I'll So this kind of goes back into your Bahama Mama thing. We have a question in here from Charles. Charles has actually sent in questions and stuff before. He's mm -hmm. He is a repeat questioner, and he says, Can you comment on what you know about beekeeping in Hawaii? Seems that the flow is most of the year there. And that would actually be true, because you're in a tropical climate, which has flowers that bloom all year round. What is different with it, though, is instead of having winter and summer and fall, you have wet and dry. You have a rainy season, and then you have a non-rainy season. And the non-rainy season still is going to have moisture to it. But you'll you'll basically have a growing season where things are way more prevalent and then a season where it might taper off a little bit. But there's always something out there. So the bees don't necessarily have to truly store up for like a winter-winter situation. They just do kind of like little mini dearths if they have them at all. But um, that is actually, we could have a listener, uh, not no, sorry, not a listener. We could have somebody come on the show that lives in Hawaii that actually could speak directly about the way that things work in Hawaii and how that all plays out, because it is a completely different climate when you look at a tropical island versus something within one of the continents themselves. You know, it's going to be radically different on how that works. But yeah, that's something that we could definitely that do at some good. point. And at some point, I would like to get somebody on here to talk about medicinal honey as compared to what we eat. I know that's, that's, that's going to be a wild one. Yeah, that that's... Because a lot of the medicinal honey comes from, some of it comes from Australia, some of and I've found out that some of it comes from Canada. 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 <laughs> Canada. <laughs> Canada. But, yeah. Welcome to Canada, folks. And I even found that we have medicinal honey here in Central Texas. We do. Now, here's the, here's the trick with that. Honey, by nature, is medicinal. Hmm? Period. The majority of all of the attributes that are attributed to medicinal honey can be found in just about any type of raw honey that you get, period. Basically, it just it draws the moisture out of your skin. It, it eviscerates the bacteria, mm -hmm. and then it has all these vitamins and minerals and amino acids and all these mm -hmm. compounds in it that help your body heal. Now, when it comes to other aspects of the plants, though, there may be something that is attributed to that plant that is a medicinal property on its own, and then you are then vicariously thinking, well, since how the plant can do this, it then can do that in the honey. But that only is if that attribute is actually expressed in the nectar of the plant. And if it is, then it can show up in the honey. And we've talked about this before with like um, coffee plants. Coffee plants, coffee is obviously caffeinated. In the coffee plant, there is trace amounts of caffeine in the nectar. Therefore, the honey has trace amounts of caffeine in it. So you can get caffeinated honey, but it is micro things of caffeine. Don't go off on that tangent because I can already see it running across your forehead. 
and we've but had this I conversation say before. Nothing about the coca plant. No, sure. No, no, no. Oh, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, okay. So we we really do need to wrap this up because I've okay. got I've got you a got hard hard stop deadline for this today. So, um, okay. Well, again, we appreciate you guys listening. As always, be Thank safe. Y'all. Be good. Be happy. Uh, be safe. I already you said be safe. <laughs> Whatever. It's just more about like how many B terms can we get in there without repeating ourselves? Usually you've got the, you know, like our standard is be safe and be happy. Those are kind of the two things. Um, be good, be safe, be good, be happy, be gone. That's you what we need to, to be work. right now. We need to be gone. Uh, <laughs> be gone, Ken. Bye. Y'all be good, family. Bye. The show might be over for now, but the sting won't last long. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes Mondays of each month. Until then, behave yourselves.